Oh, Mad Handle Podcast, episode three. Coming at you, Kevin Easy. Let's go. What's up, big dog? What's up, guys? Well, welcome to Mad Handle Podcast, episode three. Episode three, the good old number three. It's All like- right, well, for some introductions, if you don't know, if we got some new listeners on, I'm Easy. And I'm Big Kev. And we're here to talk hoops. Yep. Both of us, Med Handle Podcast. Like we said, episode three, number three is my favorite number. And I mean, I got to bring it up for Stefan Marbury, man. That's Woo! the best number three of NBA history. <laughs> Chinese League history. The dude's about to be the president of China. Like, let's go here. Marbury. Stefan Marbury, 4-3. <laughs> How about you, man? You got a number three that you like? I do. But before I go into this, I'm sorry. I have to start it off with the 2006 finals was rigged. My boy Dirk should have two rings, oh, two finals MVPs. But it's all good because he got his payback versus the Heat. And he got his ring, first bout Hall of Famer. But my number three goes out to the man himself, the Flash, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade, man. Wade County. Love that dude. That dude, I mean, just just a stud. By the way, another number three, as I'm watching the uh, Golden uh, State-Houston game, Chris Paul. I mean, lesser known number three, I guess. Yeah, he's further down the list for me. I'm not high on Chris Paul. I'm sorry. Me either. I, I liked him more when he was on, uh, you know, New Orleans, but not anymore. Stop yelling at the refs, Chris. Yeah, nobody Take cares. Nobody, nobody cares what you have to say, Chris Paul. Okay. <laughs> You're never gonna win anything. You're gonna be forgotten in like ten years. See you later. He thinks he's cool because he's a player's rep. <sighs> Fucking guy. Get a hobby. What's going on with you, man? You sipping on anything right now? Actually, I have my uh, my podcast, Rum and Coke. Rum and Coke right now. What kind of rum you drinking? (laughs) Got some rum and Red Bull. Actually, Coke. (laughs) skin. All right, I'm actually sipping on a Brooklyn Lager right now. Ooh, we got pretty go. hammered off these things over the weekend. So, oh wait, uh, hold on, I almost forgot. I, I didn't plug our latest sponsor. So, when I turn to podcasting, I turn to my favorite rum. That is Bacardi rum. Whenever you want a rum and coke, drink Bacardi. <laughs> god damn we have to send that to like a whole bunch of companies man that was a great ad read right there dude not bad right straight off the dome pretty f- how long did you practice that while you were taking the shit this morning <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's awesome oh man all right enough with the jokes let's actually talk some hoops all right yeah let's break into what is this is this the is this the topic of topics so far in the nba this season I'm pretty sure. Let me play you a little clip here from an uh, interview. I believe this was yesterday. Um, you know, and I've read a lot about how is this the end of the run or is it over or did I ruin it or did I force Kevin to leave? You know, at the end of the day, um, 
as I've said before, whatever Kevin decided to do, whatever Clay decided to do, whatever who decides to do, um, you know, we had great years together, and, and I support everybody. All right. So for those of you that don't know, that's Draymond Green commenting on the whole Draymond, Kevin Durant situation. Uh, Easy, you want to break that down for us? Okay. So the other night, end of the game, there's what, what was there about six or seven seconds left in, in the game. Yeah. Re- rebound. Uh, Draymond and Durant are both going up for the ball. Draymond secures it and decides to take off up court like he always does. Let's be real. He like a gazelle. The yeah, he pushes the tempo and tries to find a mismatch, and they capitalize. That's what we'll, the Warriors do. And he's really good at that. Yeah, Exactly. But that, that also happened to be the time where Durant started a clapping for the ball because let's. Th- I know he's been on the Warriors, but he's conditioned to run that, give, give me the ball, get out the way, I'm getting a bucket kind of thing. Which yeah. you, you could also do with Durant. I mean, he's one of the guys you dump him the ball and he's getting you some points. Yeah, I mean, the dude's a seven-footer with a smooth jump shot. No one can guard him. I kind of understand why he was clapping for the ball. 100%. Yeah. So, needless to say, Durant, I mean, uh, Draymond takes off up court, proceeds to, to trip over a defender fall on the basketball and time expires they go into ot and lose the game yeah i mean so not not the best move not the best move not the best move but now before the ot starts the time just expired everyone goes back to the huddle and durant and draymond get into it about how you should have passed me the ball i'm calling for it why'd you triple with your head down whatnot to where apparently, according to sources, Draymond decides to respond by calling him a bitch. Repeatedly. And asking him about his free agency plans. Yeah. (laughs) Which, uh, I'm all for teammates going at it. I'm all for, in a competitive situation, guys getting into it, because that's just what happens. Yeah, of course. And, like, here at the moment, like, of course, that, that stuff's going to happen. Yeah. But, like, also, like, when after that happened, you kind of saw Kevin Durant, like, mumble, uh, this is why I'm out of here. Like, ooh. Not, not a good look. Not a good look at all. And it's like, dude, you don't say that on the court like that. Like, it's been rumored already, but, like, come on, dude. Definitely not a good good look. But before we like jump into Durant, can we just talk about Draymond Green a little bit? Like the whole like him Durant a bitch like over and over. I mean, like it just it's so Draymond. Like that's all he does. You know what I mean? Like he just gets under your skin. Like he'd call his like own mother a bitch if he had to. <laughs> you know, like it's just how is how he plays the game. I wouldn't expect anything other than that. You know. Who was the guy? I was just going to say that's Draymond being Draymond. Yeah. But there was a player that started that. That's him being him. What was the guy that everyone always said in the NBA that was like that? Oh, you got me there. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like there was a – all right, I forget. But um, you're right. That is exa- exactly what he does. And it's hard to get angry at him for doing what he's doing. 
when that's what he's known to do. He's an emo- he's the emotional leader of the team. He gets everyone's pumped up. He's in your face. And I mean, there's a classic meme of him in Durant's ear yelling at him, getting him pumped up and Durant smiling and shaking his head and he's getting into it. So like, yeah, like you have to take the good and the bad. Exactly. So I think where you kind of step over the line is the, the repeated bitch calling. Yeah. The free agency thing, which is just totally irrelevant. Like you don't need to bring that up right now. Like not on the court. It, it, the rumors are swirling already. Like you're just adding fuel to the fire there. Yeah. But now I think the biggest thing about all of this is how Draymond was suspended without pay for this. Yeah. A a game check, right? Like 120 grand or something like that. 120 grand, which to these guys, I understand they make money, but 120 grand is 120 grand. 120 grand is a fucking yearly salary for some of us. Like not even like, you know what I mean? I wish. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) But like you, like they're clearly picking sides there. Like, yeah. If, I mean, both of them, you're going to have to sign, you know, I'm sure they could probably find a way to sign both. But, you know, with one of them taking less money, and I don't think that Durant's going to be that guy. But, I mean, if Draymond wins Defensive Player of the Year, he's actually eligible for, like, the Supermax, which is insane. Which, let's talk about that. Would you give Draymond the Supermax at 30 years old? You're going to lock him up for over $200 million until his mid-30s. I don't think he's worth that money, like, at all. Like, I, I think there's, like, a handful of guys that are worth that money in the NBA. And he doesn't even come close to being one of them. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, he play, he's a great defensive player. I, I, I mean, you've said it before when we were talking about this. Like, I feel like his shot has just gotten worse the, the more he's played, which is pretty yeah. pathetic. Um, yeah. But, like, he's a glue guy. Like, you don't pay a glue guy $200 million. And no way. No, no way. And it's funny because they're all – they've all came out and said that they're not taking a discount. Yeah. And KD's up, then Clay's up, then Draymond's up. Draymond's the last guy. There's not going to be the money left for him. Yeah. I, I, I don't see them being able to, like – one of those guys is going to have to take a pay cut. They're saying that they're not, so I don't think they're going to be able to keep this core together. But if you had to choose, like, wouldn't you, like, trade Draymond? Like, wouldn't you try to get as much out of him as you can? So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Well, let's, let's, let's stop for a second. This all depends on Durant's decision this offseason. That's a good point. Because if Durant leaves, you lock up your core from a 73-win team for as long as you can. And you cycle in role players around it. You you do your best Spurs impression with yeah. Draymond, and Clay, and Steph. Because keep like they did win before Durant got there. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. But if Durant opts in, or if he resigns and decides to sign a long term max deal, then I'm sorry, I'm trading Dr- Draymond this summer. Yeah, I'm doing- he's still got a year left on his deal. I'm trading him at the highest value. I don't see them losing the finals this year, so he'll be off another championship. Oh, easily, yeah. I, I pull a Belichick, and I get as much as I can for him early before any teams re- realize he's on decline. Yeah. I get a couple picks and rebuild the roster. 
I mean, yeah, I'm all for that because I think priority one is obviously Durant, but like one one B is Clay. Clay is a stud. I don't think he he definitely does not get enough credit. No way, dude is he's probably the best shooter in the league, right behind Steph. But also, like the dude's a two way player. Oh yeah, Steph wouldn't be Steph without Clay. Yeah, I completely agree. Teams would hunt him out. Teams would. I mean, Clay, def- he defends the, the other team's best guard every yeah. night. Which is crazy that he's still able to put up those in the numbers that he does and still have to guard the other team's best, go- you know, best forward. Especially when his entire game revolves around running off screens. The guy never stops moving. Yeah, it's insane, actually. I mean, who's his trainer? Because I got to go meet up with him. <laughs> My cardio is fucking slack, and I can't even run up. I'm up and down the court twice. It's not good. You're getting old, man. You don't got to tell me again, man. But <laughs> agreed, man. But, uh, yeah, let's hit it back up with, uh, you know, we started it with talking about with Durant and Draymond. Let's move back to Durant now. I mean, you know, with those comments, read his lips. He's saying, this is why I'm out of here. Um. You know, when they played the Knicks here, people were renting out billboards, you know, get, trying to persuade Durant to come here. Now, since we're both Knicks fans, would you take this guy on your team? I would pack his bags. I would fly with him. I would rub his feet on the plane. <laughs> he's no got, he's got ugly feet, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> come on down. 30-year-old Kevin Durant locked him up for a couple years. His game's going to age well. What is he going to turn into a four, maybe a five by the end of his career? How the NBA is going? Nah, I'm in. I'm in 100%. The guy's got a jump shot. Can you imagine Kevin Durant at the five? Ugh, I don't know about that. Dude, he played small ball five in the playoffs last year. That's a good point. Call me out. I don't like that. All right. Well, that's I, I got the stats, baby. Listen. I've never been a Kevin Durant fan, like, ever. I understand he's great. He's a great player, and I realize that. I'm just not a fan, man. I mean, I feel like all those years with OKC, especially in the playoffs, like, when they needed him the most, like, he wasn't there. Like, especially that one year, I think it was in uh, 13-14, where if Reggie Jackson wasn't on that team, I mean, they might have not have moved past Memphis. Which Reggie been- Jackson, shout out. Shout out, Reggie Jackson. <laughs> shout out getting that contract, get that money, Detroit. Good for you. I think that's probably the last time we mentioned Reggie Jackson on this podcast. <laughs> the history of the Madden podcast, one and only mentioned. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, I'm with you on that. I understand what you're saying. What, how much of that is a product of Durant and how he plays basketball? And how much is a product of OKC and how they coach basketball? I mean, he, he was getting more shots there. I don't think it was coaching. I really think that you're seeing his greatness, especially in the playoffs now, because he has three other all-stars to, like, rely on. Like, teams can't focus on I – know, and I know Russell Westbrook was on those OKC teams and so was James Harden, but they weren't – the level of player that these guys are now, if that makes any sense. 100%. You know, like, these guys are in their prime. They're all-stars. 
Westbrook was on the come up then. So was James Harden. But Durant had to be the guy, and he just couldn't get it done. He couldn't win it for them. He goes to, you know, Golden State where he's not the focal point of the offense. And, yeah, of course he won two MVPs, but, like, when the team's not focusing on a seven-foot, you know, knockdown shooter that he is, like, of course he's going to be averaging, you know, 30 points a game in the playoffs. I hear what you're saying. How about this? Who would you rather ha- have as a coach, Scott Brooks or Steve Kerr? Well, well, Steve Kerr, of course, but like, who would you rather have as a coach, Billy Donovan or Steve Kerr? Steve Kerr. I understand their team was Westbrook and Durant, but that's also what their offense was. I feel like they just took turns throwing the ball back and forth. ISO. All right, my my turn, your your turn, my turn, your your turn. You can't win in the playoffs like that. I get it. I I do get it. I I also think that you're right. Coaching does play a lot in that, but also the culture of the team plays a lot in that. Like him going to Golden State, who's won already, like of course he's going to have to gel with that team. He's going to have to go in there and play by their rules. Oh, there's no doubt he's he's benefiting from his surroundings in Golden State. I mean, the guy drops what? He can easily drop in between like like 20 and 30 a game on 10 to 12 shots, which is absurd. Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. He gets to the line, obviously a good foul shot shooter. Yeah. Um, now, here's my question about Kevin Durant. This is what I've always like wondered. Is, like, the, is he a guy that makes his teammates better? I mean, well, let's look at his assist average. I, I think his assists have climbed every year that he's been in the league. I think he had w- one year where he peaked on OKC with about six assists. Yeah. Five or six assists. But also, that was the year that you just mentioned, 13, 14, that, w- that Westbrook was out, where he became a facilitator. Yeah, True. I think he has it in him to lead. I mean, this year alone, he's averaging six and a half assists. Last year, 5.4. I think it's pretty easy to get six and a half assists when you're passing it to Steph Curry for three. Well, I, just think. It's just as automatic going to Frankie Smokes. I, I guess it goes <laughs> – Stop me dead in my tracks there. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so going back to the Knicks thing, like, is he a guy that when you put him on the Knicks, is he going to make Frankie Smokes better? Is he going to make Kevin Knox better? Does he have that, like, LeBron mentality that he's going to make – like, whatever team he is on, he will make them better? So I'm going to use a comparison. Obviously not the same player, not the exact same situation, but it's kind of similar. Yeah. A stud who we knew that could get a bucket whenever he wanted – won a couple rings, and wanted to do his own thing. Kyrie. Okay. Kyrie went to the Celts. Obviously, he was hurt last year. The the year didn't end how they wanted. This year's not starting off exactly how they'd like, but they're going to be there at the end of the year, let's be real. Yeah. Um, They'll find their way. I think he has shown that there was more to his game than what, what was allowed to be shown in Cleveland. Agreed. What was necessary in Cleveland? You know, some of these players play a role. And if their role isn't to pound the ball for 20 seconds of the shot clock and initiate an offense, 
they don't need, need to have six assists a game, but, but if it's necessary, they could get it. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying there. I, I'm team Durant. Uh, that's all I'm saying. I'm team Durant. You, you want to come as a 30 year old two time finals, MVP, NBA champion, scoring champion. Want to come to the Knicks? Yep. Yep. I'm in. Listen, I still think he's a cupcake. I still think, <laughs> I still think he's a snake. Um, I always probably will. And I thought the way that he kind of went to Golden State to get those rings was a cop-out, especially where I feel like if you just put a couple better players, and I'm not saying like another star, I'm saying better role players around him and Russell, they probably could have gotten to that level. Well, that's all on Presti. I'm with you on that. I feel yeah. like you keep the teams how they were, you roll it back, and you somehow get some better role players on that team other than fucking – who, who was it? Alex Abrinas or whoever they had, a canter and Yeah. Agree. Probably Tavo Cephalosha. Cephalosha. Is he still getting shot up at bars around the city or something? <laughs> uh, suing suing the state of New York. Hey man, get that money. Get that money, man. He bro- they broke his leg, right? Why can't this why can't the cop shoot me? <laughs> I think we might have to cut that one out. Um uh, Hot take. <laughs> hot take. Hot take, hot take. Um, listen, we were talking about coaches before, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about Billy Donovan, Steve Kerr, um, uh, Scott Brooks, yep. who, by the way, is probably going to get fired pretty soon from the Wizards job. Oh, yeah. Because they are dog shit. But um, another guy, and this guy I've always liked, is uh, Coach – Holzer from uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, who are like, oh, they're on fire this year. Oh, like, yeah. And I remember when the Knicks had their opening, they interviewed Coach Budenholzer. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, why would you not want this guy as your coach? Yeah. You know, like, he took a Atlanta Hawks team to 60 wins. A-, a team that, I mean, had a roster of, like, Kyle Korver, Al Horford, Damari Carroll – like Kent Bazemore, like where are the huge players on that team? Jeff Teague, like he took a team and formed them into a 60-win team. No superstars. They played solid San Antonio Spurs basketball where they moved the ball around. That's they, it. Had, they hit their plays and they executed. And that's exactly what the Milwaukee Bucks needed. It's amazing how well and how quickly he transformed that team. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I think if any coach took that job, they would, you know, they'd be a good team. But, like, they have a chance to, like, come out of the East and go to the finals. Oh, yeah. I mean, Giannis is just playing out of his mind. Like, that dude, I still can't believe, like, how good he's gotten how, and, like, how quickly he's gotten there. And it shows, look what he's doing now with a little bit of space. A little bit of space, exactly. All those old teams, Jason Kidd and all those old coaches, they used to clog the lane. Yep. All these bigs with him and Jabari Parker and all these dudes that couldn't really space the floor. And then now you bring in guys like Brooke Lopez and give him a green light. The dude looks like a seven-foot Steph Curry. Oh, yeah. Splashing it. 
<laughs> splash in it. I mean, they have like the ultimate floor spacer there with Chris Middleton, man. He's he's a knockdown three point shooter, man. You know. And leading into that, when they drafted that team, you thought it was going to be Jabari and Giannis. Oh yeah. Little did you think it turns out being Giannis and Chris Middleton. Dude, I'm shocked that Middleton is the player that he is, and like. And Coach Bud has kind of made Eric Bledsoe, like, into a point guard. Like, he's always, you know, he's been labeled as a point guard, but never really played that way. Yeah. But I feel like now he's, like, the facilitator of this offense, and uh, they're all playing well around him. Yeah. But, um, I mean, going back to Giannis, I mean, 26 and 13, he is averaging 13 rebounds a game plus six assists. Like, that's MVP numbers right there. Oh, yeah. It's insane. The dude's like fucking seven foot. He's running the floor like a goddamn lion. Just everybody out of his way. It's insane how, like, and he's just gotten so much bigger and more physical, too. The second he, the, the second he becomes comfortable sh- shooting, like, whether it's long twos or threes, it's just watch out in NBA. Because the dude gets to the room whenever he wants. If he could develop a shot, he's unstoppable. I think he's almost there with this shot. I don't think he's putting up too many threes yet. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just – you can tell every year he goes into the offseason and he works on something. Yep. And then, like, that next year, like, holy shit. Like, now this guy can actually, like – he's a better ball handler. Now he's getting to the lane more. He's getting bigger. He's getting stronger. And uh, every year he just keeps getting better and better, and I kind of feel like that's the last piece that he's going to work on. So – have you have you been able to like watch any Bucks games? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces. Yeah. Have you noticed anything with their style of play? That I mean, the ball's constantly moving. Yep. They got that San Antonio Spurs offense. I feel like. I mean, mm. that's that's where Coach Bud is. You know, that's where he originates from. He he was, he was like an assistant with Pop for like ten years, probably over that. And their pace is through the roof. I am yeah. shocked at how quickly they take shots early in the shot clock. Hey, I mean, they got athletic guys. They run up and down the court. Like, why not? So I was watching. It was last week. A throwback to Heat Check Episode 1. I mentioned the Bucks versus Golden State was my game of the week. So Yeah, that which was a sick game. TBT. But watching that game, there's five minutes left going into the half. So we're at second quarter, five minutes left. But Bucks are up three. Now I'm watching this game. Giannis just checks back in. The whole game I'm watching, they're taking early threes. Both teams are chucking. Neither one's really hot yet, but, but they're taking shots. Yeah. Man, like they're shooting really early, really quick. It was kind of – it was just was new to me. And the whole pace of the NBA is quicker anyway now. Yeah. They ended the half up 15. Nuts. Because they just – because you know what? Those three started a fall, and before you know it, you traded threes for twos, and boom. Before you know it, they're up three, They're up 15. And it's like, well, this is why they, pay it, they play at this pace. This is why they shoot it so much. Yeah. And, like, honestly, I just contribute that to, to coaching. 100%. I don't think they could have gotten to this level with Jason Kidd. And no they brought in the right guy to do it. But also, can uh, I wonder if they give Kid the credit that he deserves in turning Giannis into a ball handler? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. He was the dude that was like, here, you're seven feet, or dribble it. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I'm sure he does get credit for that, but I think that they really made the right move with, you know, bringing in Budenholzer. No doubt. But, um, you know, shout out to Dante DiVincenzo. That's right, Villanova, baby. Villanova, remember that? Yeah, he had such a sick championship game. I was, just, I was just wondering where he was going to get drafted, and of course he's going to the Bucks. And he's playing. And he's playing. also, uh, another white guy alert, Pat Connington. Big yeah. Pat. I like both of those dudes. They, they just backdoor cut, play hard, run an offense, just n- normal white guy stuff on the basketball court. And it that, works perfectly for that team. I feel like the ultimate compliment for a white basketball player is probably like, he runs the offense really well. <laughs> That's like the ultimate compliment. But it's so true, though. Oh, for sure. I, do you remember when the Knicks drafted Giannis's brother, hoping that uh, he would become basically Giannis? Yeah, I don't think he got it. Out, I don't think he got out of the D League, right? Uh, um, I think he maybe got like a couple of minutes. Uh, what was his name? Thanis. Thanis. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to try and pronounce that. They tried calling him the Greek freak, too. Oh, boy. Oof. Don't they know no one likes sequels? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, just another Knicks blunder, but we won't jump too far into that. Yeah. What else did you want to cover today, Big Dog? Well, speaking of blunders... I'd like to move on to uh, speaking of blunders, the 2017 bust of all busts. Well, maybe maybe let let's not go into it like that. But the 2017 number one overall pick, Markel Fultz, aka I forgot how to shoot, aka I'm scared of in the NBA, aka I look like Charles Barkley trying to swing a golf club when I shoot a basketball. Oh, what the fuck was that? Dude, that, like the double clutch, like on a free throw. Like, are you kidding me? The best part is how the refs felt so bad they didn't call anybody on the lane violation. I know they're like, oh boy, like let's, let's you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, they were just like, screw it. That was miserable. That we was can't. the worst thing I've ever seen. We can't make him do it again. <laughs> but uh, let me just read you a tweet. So, um, so, so during the off season, obviously we we all know Mark Helfold is just big downfall is his shooting. I mean, from what I read was that he was never really hurt, that the 76ers wanted him to work on his shot last year, and he just couldn't get it down. So they shut him down, basically, for him to get more work into that just because his shot was that bad, which is, like, who are your scouts that are, like, drafting this guy number one if they realize that he can't shoot? So, all right, I've thought about this because, like, did he ever have a shot? Or we, we all know. Look at dudes like, like I know it's a different sport, but David Freeze in baseball. Some dudes just get hot for a couple weeks. Was Fultz just hot for like three months in college? His team didn't make it. He didn't have to play in any tournament games. He played 25 games in college and killed it. Maybe he was just on fire for those 25 games. I mean – you know, he, he was obviously, you know, a lane driver. He got to the rim, got to the bucket. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he shot 41% from three. I mean, if you're shooting 41% from three, like, you obviously have some sort of shot. 
You know, you're not just like double hand under, you know, throwing That's it into true. the basket. But I'm not sure what happened from his last game of college to that draft to where he just doesn't have a shot. Well, let me go the back. form is off, too. The form is totally different. Well, that's what I'm saying. Everything they, I think they tried having him, after they drafted him, like work on his shot and then realized that it got worse. So I think they might have shut him down there. But let me read you this really quick. And this is from a- Alex Kennedy uh, from NBA.com. And it refers to the coach, uh, Drew Hanlon, who, I mean, a lot of NBA players work with. And he's a shooting coach. Um. So apparently their relate his relationship with Markel Fultz. So apparently this offseason they work together. And uh, Alex Kennedy tweets, uh, Markel Fultz and Drew Hanlon are no longer working together or on speaking terms, according to league sources. No word on why the two parted ways, but their relationship deteriorated about three weeks ago. Prior to this falling out, Fultz spent the summer training with Hanlon. I mean, that's not good when your shooting coach basically has nothing to – doesn't want anything to do with you. Did you know who else Han- Hanlon works with and who still works with him? Who's that? Embiid. Ooh, my boy Joel. That's not good, that's, man. That's not good. I mean, that, those are two guys in the same organization. Yeah. But, I mean, I just don't get it. I really don't get how, how far he's, like, fallen, like – and can you imagine if the 76ers just stayed where they were and drafted Jason Tatum? He's exactly what they could have used. Oh, exactly. They, didn't even, they wouldn't have to even trade for Jimmy Butler. Yeah, a playmaker, guy who hits shots. It's unbelievable. I kind of do feel bad for Markel, to be honest with you, because you could just tell just from him not being able to shoot. Like, he doesn't drive anymore. He literally just – I don't even know what he does out there, you know? Like, he just doesn't look – confident in anything he does on the basketball court i all i know is i cannot wait for this 30 for 30 oh geez it's gonna be so good there's gonna be something that comes out so let's say his his path continues of just not being able to shoot mm-hmm. who's the worst number one overall draft pick him or anthony bennett Oof. I got to go Bennett because Bennett never even took off. Like, Fultz still holds the record for youngest dudes to get a triple-double uh, triple in a game. He still owns that record. He still got yeah. a triple-double. He still played in the playoffs. Or Actually, I don't know. He played at the end of the regular season last year. Yeah. Um, I think it's got to go to Bennett. He never really even like, caught on at all. Yeah, he's, I, I, that, that was a shocking first overall pick. I don't think anyone – had Cleveland even mocked to draft him. Like, that was just an insane draft pick. No good. And he, I mean, I know he showed up overweight to camp and, like, just never really took off from there. But now, okay, I think the big thing here is the Sixers clearly made a win-now move by trading for Butler. Yeah. But what do you do with this lineup? Brett Brown's been trying to put, well, not so much lately, but he started off the beginning of the year playing Simmons and Fultz together to try and have two playmakers and ball handlers on the floor. Yeah. And their numbers were awful. I mean, both of them can't shoot. They both can't shoot. Everyone just sagged off and they clogged the lane and you just, you equalize both of their talents. 
So now I think this trade relegates Fultz to the bench and he becomes your, your guy who runs the second team offense. And honestly, maybe that'll be better for him. True. You know, like, hey, let's, you can be the focal point. Like, play your game. You yeah. don't have to tailor to get in the ball to Embiid. You don't have to let, you know, uh, Simmons run up with the ball. Maybe you just take care of the second unit. It might actually work out better for them. And then the beauty of having a big three is that you could stagger their minutes. So, worst case, he's still playing with a Fultz and Bede and the rest of the bench players. A Fultz, a Butler, the rest of the bench guys. Things like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I hope he, you know, finds that shot. I, I just don't think he will. Like, his shot just looks so bad. And it's confidence. I don't, it's crazy because it's perception. You hear, like, you have us. They're talking about these NBA guys that are like, how can you be the first overall pick in the NBA draft and not be confident that you're a good basketball player? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, how am I not in the league right now? My shot is just wet. Like every time I, you know, like it's, it's a work of art. This guy's on. This guy's a first round pick. He's a first round pick. He's double clutching on a free throw. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, hopefully he can figure it out. I don't think he will, like I said, but um, I guess they just put him on the bench, find another shooting coach. Maybe he is hurt. Like, I just don't get how your shot could look that ugly for, like, a guard. Yeah. There's got to be some, like, missing info that they're not telling us or something. There's, is it a mental thing? More. Is it now Now just like you know you can't shoot and now it's just like it's just so far in your head that you're just like that's all you're thinking about. You're thinking about like when you're releasing the ball, like how where your elbows are when you're about to shoot. Like is that could be it too. Like you're just overthinking what should be natural. Which could very well be the case. But at the end of the day, you're an NBA player. I don't understand how at, there's never a point where he looks around and like says hi to Embiid and is like, oh, yeah, I belong here. Yeah. But, I mean, like, what, and what do you think's going through Jimmy Butler's mind? Oof. When he walks into that locker room, he looks at Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz and just you like, know what? you guys fucking kidding me? <laughs> Over under, how many games before Butler says something to Fultz? And it's a story. <sighs> 15? <laughs> All right. That's good. I like that. So still before All-Star break, like you, you're not giving him much time. No, not at all. That's awesome. Yeah, I can see it happening too. I think he might wait a little bit, especially towards the end of the year if something doesn't click. But I definitely see him being like at least giving him one of those like, dude, the fuck are you doing kind of looks. One of those Jimmy Butler meme looks. Yep. You know that's going to be all over the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, man. What do you say uh, we <clears throat> close this out with a little heat check? Moving to some heat posters. Heat check. Heat check, heat check. By the way, with all this fucking snow and this goddamn wind, I'm going to need a little bit more of that heat check, to be honest with you. I like that. Give me one more. Heat check. Warming up now. Warming up. <laughs> the fingers are tingling. All right, man. What do you want to start with? Okay. Just cause I'll keep it with the topics here. My heat check moment of the week is first game of the T-Wolves without Jimmy Butler. 
pulling out the upset on the Pelicans 107 to 100. Whew. And just looking like they're having fun out there, which I think is just absolutely hysterical. You could just, yeah, you could just tell the monkeys off the back. You could tell there was one play, a dribble handoff, pick and roll with Wiggins and Towns. Pull up a job. All right. So there was a, a double uh, <laughs> pick and roll handoff, and just Wiggins went up and threw it down. Yeah. Just looks like they're having a ball. And they were just everyone was smiling. I think Tibbs was even smiling. That dude never smiles. You could just Towns, the monkeys off the back. The Towns goes off for twenty five and sixteen. He gets seventeen shots. Wiggins, he, does that, he does that all the time. Uh, yeah, but he's I'm never getting. Sense. He's not nine to seventeen. I feel like he wasn't getting the seventeen shots when Butler was there. Uh, yeah, I guess. Oh, just not a big uh, Carl Anthony Towns guy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, my moment has to be that 50-point win by the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, they just absolutely crushed the Utah Jazz 118-68. to Just, like, a historically bad shooting performance by the Utah Jazz. They shot 31%. I wish you weren't so worried about anything. Which is, I mean, that's just terrible. I mean, Jay Crowder taking 12 shots, hitting two of them. That dude should, should never even be taking 12 shots. He took the most on the team, which is insane. Oh, that's no good. No, but uh, yeah, nobody was hitting shots on that team. You, you got to – and I mean, look, the Mavericks, young team, they're on the up and up. I mean, they're winning some games right now, which is great for them. But, um, yeah, they, they absolutely just threw a beat down on the Utah Jazz. Uh, so I, I've been counting. You've been talking about this game for a minute, and there was no mention of of God in that at all. And when I when I say God, I mean Luca. Doncic. Hey man, I think it's a great pick. I, I still have no idea what the Hawks were thinking trading for. Oof. Like, ugh, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. Like that's just bad GMing. Like that you would trade. This this dude's gonna be really good. He's he has all the, you know, intangibles, and I could just see him being a triple threat like every night when it's all said and done. And what a quick, a quick. I mean, I don't want to go too quickly with this, but a fast little rebuild for for the Mavericks on the fly too. I like it for sure, man. They brought in DeAndre Jordan, and they, now they have the two young, you know, studs and as guards with uh, Donich and. I'm sorry, Doncic and Dennis Smith Jr. And they still got Harrison Barnes, Wesley Matthews. That's quietly solid little club over there. You know who else they still have? JJ. JJ Barea. That's right. Smoke show wife. Miss Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. <laughs> Puerto Rico, butter pecan Puerto Rican. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, man, good for him, and he's got that ring. He went to Minnesota for a little bit, but he's back in Dallas. I'm sure he loves Mark Cuban. For, uh, I think, what was it, in the offseason, Mark Cuban lent him, like, a private jet to, like, bring supplies to Puerto Rico. Ooh, I didn't know that, but that one hit me right in the feels. <laughs> in the feels. That, you know, I try to do that at least once every show, but it's good. this time it really got you, I guess. That's it. By the way, also – Jalen Brunson on that roster. His dad, Rick, used to play for the Knicks. Just a little fun fact for you. 
Ooh. Okay. A little Jalen show. I like that. All right, man. Let's kick this off with the last segment of the show. Posters. Who's going on your poster? Ooh, I'm turning back the clock on this poster. Do you know what time it is? Game time? No, it's time for Vinsanity. Vinsanity. Turning right. it back to Vince Carter. Let's take a listen. Turn back the hands of time. I like that actually. Rev it up. I love it when he when he tries to ride the bike in the air when he throws one down. Yeah, dude. He's like what, like fifty now? I love it. Still getting it up. Still jumps higher than me. Oh, he's gonna be able to jump higher than you when he's a (laughs) hundred. But yeah, man, a freak. So my dunk of the day is hashtag tank for Zion, hashtag Zion Knicks, hashtag Zion's a beast right here. I mean, unbelievable. He had like four or five just insane dunks last night with uh, Duke's just drubbing of Eastern Michigan. I don't even know why they played this goon squad. But, uh, you know, everyone saw the alley-oop one where basically Zion was above the rim just looking down at the rim. Incredible. uh, I think, you know, one of my favorite dunks, like – ever is just the cock back and like power slam and i mean he had one for the ages last night because he would go to practices out there and call it off never mind call it off (laughs) (laughs) call it off (laughs) can you imagine being duke's like play-by-play announcers this year oh they're probably having such a good time and then they're what the game's over by halftime Oh, big time. And I mean, like, then that you could just get all the rum and, you know, Red Bull, whatever the hell you drink <laughs> if you want. You know? That's funny. So now, right, you were saying before, tank for, for, for Zion, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I should be – I'm going to say it on the podcast because, you know what, we got to try and cultivate some hype around this thing. But I have – a new slogan that I'm going to start making t-shirts for us and I'm going to sell them outside MSG. Trying for Zion. What was it? Trying for Zion. I like it. Are you spelling it T-R-I-O-N? Oh, is that Tryon? Tryon for Zion. (laughs) Yeah, that might be even better. Woo! Tryon for Zion. I'm with it. Mad Handle Podcast. Dude, we'll get Manhandle Podcast on the back. Try on for Zion on the front. Get some Nick colors around it. The copyright, Kevin Easy. Copyright, Kevin Easy. Sell us for like 20 bucks a pop. We'll be millionaires in no time. Someone wants to make the shirt. Just give me my credit. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. Great episode. You got anything else you want to put in there? I hope the Rockets beat the Warriors tonight. I want total panic mode across the media tomorrow the warriors are done the dynasty's over i can't wait are you watching now i'm gonna i I have it on now i haven't looked at the score in a while though all right houston's up you know what houston does this right when you think like that they're like you know not playing that well they always get up for these games against like golden state and like some powerhouses where they actually play up to their ability yep so uh, score at uh it's 47 41 at halftime 
Okay. Perfect time to end the pod. I like that. All right, man. I'll catch you. What are we doing? Like Mondays? Catch you next Monday? That's right. Kevin Easy. Out. We out. Peace.